That's right, they sure do. Hey, it's the Disenfranchised Podcast. We're that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and who is joining me tonight other than my very intrepid co-host, Mr. Brett Wright. Brett. Get the fuck out of here, Stephen. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Have the whole podcast to yourself. I see your, you've got your, you've got your eye on on power. You 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 hunger for nothing but power. Just like, and, and weird that you've got this weird metal helmet with this protruding beak like thing off the front of it that you're wearing today. All of a sudden, yeah, that's me. All right. Oh, Brett, Brett, what have we done to ourselves? <laughs> What have we become, sir? I mean, uh, you know, like it's not this. This is a different kind of torture because it's not. <laughs> it's not food fight. It's, it's not. Uh, it's it's it, not. It's better than food fight. It's not a super groovy cartoon movie. No, Lord, no! It's way better than that. It's not bad torture. It's mediocrity torture. Ah. Uh, which is its own special kind of torture, really. Yeah. Brett, what? First of all, we are, it should be mentioned that we are kicking off a three episode miniseries here right at the end of the year, right literally in the middle of the month of December, the three episodes in the middle of the month, we are devoting to one very special topic, Brett. And that topic is failed franchise starters with the word guardians in the title. To celebrate the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special that came out two weeks ago. And also the Guardians Volume 3 trailer, which dropped last week. Yeah. So we're just we're just coming up short on all of these things. Should we have probably saved this for next year when the Guardians 3 actually comes out? Probably. Do we have something else planned for that episode? You bet your sweet bippy we do. Um, uh, and, and you can probably guess what it is. Let's be honest. So, I mean, look, what was, I mean, look, the last episode of the year, always a movie that came out that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the most popular failed franchise starter of the year? Go from there. You, you can probably figure that one out too. Work backwards. Look, yeah, right. Look, this, we're not, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. And, and now that you know what our, what our conceit is for the next few weeks, you could probably tell what we've got coming, particularly if you check our clues on Twitter. The only way to know for sure, though, is to make sure you're subscribed at any level to our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod, where patrons at any level do actually get a sneak peek at our full slate at the beginning of every month. So go do that. Give us more money. We could use it. We sure could. And look, we... And by we, I mean me. I mean, look, we 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 do have expenses in putting this podcast out, the hosting fees and, and, and different things like that. One day, I hope that we can pay our editing staff uh, and maybe get a little cut for ourselves. But, um, 
but let's be honest. We're not, we're, we're not in this to make money. We're in this because we're two good friends who like talking about movies. And Brett, what movie are we talking about tonight to kick off our three part guardians mini series? What the fuck is the name of this movie? Guardians rise of guardians of what is it called? Legend of the guardians, colon the owls of Gahul. Okay. I mean, that's a mouthful and I sure as hell couldn't remember it. It's uh it's, it is a fucking mouthful. What a wordy title. Holy shit, is it ever? From 2010, it's Legend of the Guardians, colon, The Owls of Gahul, uh, directed by, yes, the man himself, Mr. Zack Snyder, um, written by, oh, let's see who it was actually written by. It was written by uh, John Orloff and Emil Stern, based on a series of novels by Catherine Lasky, and starring Jim Sturgis, Emily Barclay, Ryan Quanton. David Wenham, Anthony LaPaglia, Helen Mirren, Jeffrey Rush, Joel Edgerton, Hugo Weaving as like three different characters or something. Um, Adrian DeFaria, Miriam Margolis, Sam fucking Neal, Sasha Horler, Abby Cornish, Richard Roxburgh, Essie Harris, Deborah Lee Furness, Barry Otto, Lee Wanell, Angus Sampson, Bill Hunter, Gareth Young, Brett, what a cast. What a picture? Uh, cast, sure. Picture, not so much. Oh, there it is. Um, so yeah, we are talking about Legend of the Guardians, colon, The Owls of Gahul, based on a series of novels called The Guardians of Gahul, written by Catherine Lasky. Brett, do you have any familiarity whatsoever with this source material? No, this was after my time, and it was, isn't it? It's not even young adult. It's aimed at kids. So I wouldn't. Oh, so it's straight up. It's straight up kids. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, I know nothing about it. I'm just assuming based on the fact that the movie is PG, it's animated and it's a story about owls that I mean, this isn't a young adult thing. It has to be for kids. I mean, it. Okay, so it looks like it is published by Scholastic. So that is a, a good indication that it is, in fact, geared for children. It is a 31 book series. Are you serious? I am dead serious. That's According absolutely book, for kids then. Now that only, includes. Only kids book series go that long. It, that it does include spinoffs and companion books. So. Yeah, still. I mean, but but it is. In, in terms of the books itself, it is a franchise unto itself. So again, it's not that far of a leap to assume that this was going to be a franchise. And again, this comes out in 2010. So if you kind of look at the landscape, this is this is during the Harry Potter uh, years. This is during the Hunger Games years. This is when books for kids are getting churned out into movies with relative constancy. Um, so that is kind of i guess the 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 impetus for for putting like here's this really long book series that is has a, a popular uh following with children why would we not try to make a movie about this and who should who who better to to to, to put at the helm of this movie than the visionary director behind uh dawn of the dead 300 watchmen Yes, that's right. Zack fucking Snyder directed this owl movie for children. Well, like, first of all, we don't really have to stretch to justify why we're covering it. I mean, there's a plot hook in the movie uh, itself. I mean, sure. Um, but again, I I, th- I feel like setting the stage is important. Um, yeah, Zack Snyder, real weird choice. Why? Why? 
This Why? is, and and I and that's that's the question I don't really have an answer to. If I had to guess, I would say that maybe this is something one of his children was into, but I don't know that for sure. Like I, I I've not my my the, the research I did on this episode is thin. Uh, I'm sorry to say um, this is not going to be one of our better researched episodes. Sorry to that one guy who hates how poorly researched this show is. Uh, you know who you are. I don't know who the fuck you are, and I don't particularly care. I doubt he listens anymore. That's fine. I don't want him to listen anyway, um, because this episode is pretty much just going to prove his point. <laughs> I mean, look, at this point, is it is it frustrating to me sometimes that we don't do enough research? Probably. But at the same time, that's really not our thing anymore. Sure. We we're here to talk about failed franchises and have a good conversation about them within kind of context. If you want more than that, I don't know. Go find another podcast, I guess. I mean, look, we are. I'm. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be real transparent with the audience right now. We're we're two guys. We're ju- we are just two guys. We have day jobs. Because podcasting, as we mentioned earlier, does not pay the bills. Um, we don't do this for the money. We do this because we're two friends who like to talk to each other about movies. Like, that's why we're here. So we're not in this to make money. Uh, now, if if you wanted to, you know, if, if enough people signed up for the Patreon that we could afford to quit our jobs and devote time to, like, production values and research, sure. Would we do that? Absolutely. Here's the thing, though, and this is something I said back to that original guy. Uh, sometimes there isn't a lot of stuff to know. Like we, we for this movie, we could have potentially dug through, you know, pages and pages for hours of interviews with Zack Snyder. He might have never said why he wanted to do this or why he was tapped to do this. We don't know, but that's the internet for you. We could do hours of research, tell you there was nothing we could find, and the internet would go. Wow, this podcast is so listen uninformed. I wish they would do their research. And you know, we're not industry insiders. We live in the Midwest, um, so we we are far from where movies get made on a regular basis. Look, we're we're just a couple of guys, um, and and we we have fun. We we enjoy doing this. So now, I mean, we should. I don't know. We're getting lost in the weeds, justifying why we do what we do. Uh, let's get uh, yeah. off the soapbox. Us here. getting uh, lost in the weeds. I mean, look, I, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but I mean, so so yeah, this is a. So I don't know why Zack Snyder, but again, based on his filmography up to this point, he is a weird fucking choice. Um, his very first movie, and again, we if we we have covered Watchmen on the podcast before, go check out that um that episode. Um, good episode, honestly. Uh, very special guest Garrick Hardy of the uh, Fly Casual podcast was on that one. Very good. Uh, his first movie is 2004's Dawn of the Dead, written by James Gunn, the writer and director of the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. It's all connected. Um, before that, he's a music, he's a music video guy. He directs, uh, the video for Lizzie Borden's love is a crime, uh, Morrissey's tomorrow soul asylum, somebody to shove Rod Stewart's leave Virginia alone. Uh, Oye Esteban by Morrissey as well. Um, or I guess the, the video for tomorrow, which was on that, that movie. Sorry. Um, but 2004, that's his first, um, 
feature directorial debut in Dawn of the Dead, which I've heard a lot of people say is probably one of his best movies. I've not seen it myself, cannot speak to it. I've not even seen the original Dawn of the Dead. I need to like fucking buckle down and watch some George Romero. I did I know that? You should have. I've only seen three of the of the George I've only seen three George Romero of the Dead movies. One of which was Diary that you didn't care for, but was one of my favorites. Right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Diary. I saw Night of the Living Dead. I saw Day of the Dead. That was actually the first one I saw. And I saw uh, Diary of the Dead. Those are the three that I've seen. So not even in order. Just, you know, wildly out of order. I own Night of the Living Dead, actually. I think that one's really good. Well, I mean. I own that on Criterion 4K. It's not like there's any continuity at all. Uh, sure fair enough but i mean dawn is widely considered to be most people's favorite and his best one um mm. and right that's what i've heard as much as i am strongly opposed to a running zombie as is very well documented on this podcast indeed check out a um, world war z episode just uh just morally opposed to a running zombie um look zack snyder's dawn of the dead is still good i hate admitting it for the wow. longest time, I wouldn't admit it. Um, just you know, for my own hubris. But sure. like, I got, I got to admit, it, it is actually, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Okay. It hurts me it to say out loud into the public space. But I mean, it's it's documented. Tucker keeping it in and double it. Um, yeah, it's I mean, it's out there now, man. Nothing we can do. You said it, and we all heard it. Um. So that's his first feature film. Next, he does 300, which is the first of his films that I saw. And he basically does the Sin City thing where he takes the Frank Miller comic panels and uses them as storyboards. Like, that's what he does, essentially. I quite Um, enjoyed 300. I thought 300 was legitimately good. I'm not afraid to say that one out loud. And that's, that's one of those where... Snyder's tricks are still very new in 300. And I think that's where a lot of what we consider his, the, the Snydery things that he does. That's where I think a lot of those get established, like speed ramping and slow motion, those things that he uses now to really bizarre effect. And to honestly, sometimes very tired effect. If you've seen Zack Snyder's justice league, that three hour slog that honestly probably could have been a tight 90 had he cut out all the slow motion. Um, uh, that's a joke. I don't mean it. Snyder bros. Don't come at me. I'll, we all have plenty to say about you later. I'm sure. Um, but like that's, that's, I think where a lot of his gimmicks get established. A lot of his, some might call them auteurist touches get established in 300 and he finds some popularity there and, and, and kind of runs with it after that it's Watchmen in 2009. See our previous episode. So he does three R rated movies and then his immediate follow-up is this movie legend of the guardians, the owls of Gahul. And then the year after that it's sucker punch. And then he does man of steel and gets tapped as the guy to head up DC's cinematic universe. The, the, the thing that they're going to use to respond to Marvel Yes, Sucker Punch, the movie that is every incel's favorite film. Uh, we're going to talk about it one of these days, I'm sorry to say. I'm not looking forward to it. I can't imagine why you would. God, that but so we probably sh- we probably should have had Garrick Hardy back on this episode. Garrick, sorry we didn't have you back on. 
Um, because I think I think at the end of Watchmen, we're like, you should be our Snyder guy. Come back and talk about Snyder. And he's like, ah, maybe. But if if when we do talk about Sucker Punch, we'll have to have him back on. But so this movie feels like a really weird outlier because it's the first film that he directs that's not rated R. Um, and after this, he goes down to like PG-13 for like Man of Steel and Superman v. Batman colon Dawn of Justice. And I guess not Zack Snyder's Justice League, but the one that he was credited on first that fans now call Joss Whedon's Justice League, but that's not really his Justice League either. I don't know whose Justice League that one is, but apparently Zack Snyder's Justice League is four hours long and is just as tedious as anything. Fuck, that movie's ridiculous. I don't want either one of them. Uh, both Fair. of them jump off cliff. Hashtag uh, okay. not my Justice League. No. But, you know, whatever. Uh, and look, I know that there are fans of the DCEU, and I know there are fans of the DCEU EU that are not that are not Snyder Bros. So um, that's fine. Like what you like. Just again, we implore you: don't be a dick about it. There are dozens of them. Yes, <laughs> dozens of us. Dozens. Um, so, so again, Snyder feels like a really weird choice to direct this. So, why Snyder? I have no fucking clue. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But we don't have any research to back it up. So exactly. I... There you go. But again, here's the thing. I think this is a movie. And uh, first of all, if you've not watched Patrick H. Willems's um, video on Zack Snyder, check that out. That is actually a really good engaging watch. Um he he does a, I think it's a very fair treatment of Snyder probably fairer than I've ever been to Zack Snyder um, but a lot of his like his central conceit around which that episode is based is this fucking movie which the the running joke that he does through that through that whole episode is that this is a movie no one has ever seen um, because who fucking knows about this movie yeah, I remember seeing some commercials. I knew it was a thing, uh, but I I didn't care. And look, when we check out the box office later in this episode, we're going to see. It, it. No one fucking saw this movie. This is not like, again, for a studio movie based on a very popular children's book series, this really didn't do much, honestly. Like, it kind of didn't really have much in the way of legs on it, which is weird, but yeah, like it, it just, it, it was distributed by, uh, let me check here. It was distributed by Warner brothers. Uh, it was a village road show picture, um, but distributed by Warner brothers in the United States. Um, so it's not like, it's not a DreamWorks picture, which would make sense. It feels very much like a DreamWorks picture. Um, but yeah, it's not, um, it's not, I don't know. Um, there, there's, I don't know what, what the fuck even is this movie, Brett? Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, it's the most, I mean, you can tell it's a kid's story for kids. Right. Um, I mean, the character, there is no more obvious, uh, in, indication of that than the character of Digger in this movie voiced by David Wenham, the great David Wenham. Um, Here's the thing. I know I talked um, 
I think it was last week or maybe the week before about a cast that just feels like it's too good for its source material, too good for the movie that it's in. I think it was Solomon Kane. This feels like a movie where the cast is way too good for the movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd agree. The cast list, while full of a bunch of people I don't recognize, um, but I don't know names very well of actors. We know this. Sure. Um, and, I mean, look, Sam Neill isn't his character isn't going crazy in any way shape or form so why is what's he even doing here um, but no i mean he's he's bringing that sam neil gravitas is what he's doing and that's exactly what that's exactly why you cast sam neil in this role a character that was i believe if 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 the little research i've done for this movie is accurate created for the movie does not actually appear in the books at all so you're you, that's insane to me you have 31 books of content and you created something new for the movie what mm. are you doing Mm. what are you doing hollywood gonna hollywood baby the actual fuck and i mean this this is kind of this goes back to the issue that we had with artemis fowl too like it's it's kind of there's a movie where you've got this book series that's wildly popular and yet because you're disney you feel like you have to diverge from that and try something different like what the hell are we even doing here like if you're gonna adapt the thing adapt the fucking thing yeah, and we've talked about it. We have talked about this a few times. We're like, look, you have you have to change things when you do an adaptation. Right. It's just the nature of the beast. There's things you have to change that don't translate well to a visual medium. Correct. But like, sometimes I feel like Hollywood uh, takes that too far. Mm, sometimes. Not only, they, don't, they don't just go, okay, we have to adapt this. We also have to make it our own thing. Because right. we, we have to be able to own it, you see that the author wrote that we're better than that so we have to do something that's our own idea you see right uh, so, which and again writers tend to be one of the one of the least powerful groups in hollywood no they're um, shit on on a regular basis uh, right they, they, and even but uh, on the other hand sometimes uh in the case of seth graham smith uh you get to adapt your own shit you just rewrite it anyway uh, mm-hmm. like, go see Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yep, see the previous movie, episode. Movie book written by the same guy, two completely different stories. Uh, right. Don't know how that works. No, um, but but again, look if if you wrote the damn thing, you can do whatever the fuck you want with yeah, it. Yeah, that even, I won't argue with. The even man ruin wrote it. it. He can do what he wants, but like when it comes to Hollywood, just taking it out of the author's hands. God, now nah, we're gonna we're gonna do we can do this better. And I mean, they've Hollywood's been doing that literally since the beginning of cinema. One of the very first uh, adaptations, big screen adaptations, was the movie Nosferatu, which was meant to be a Dracula movie, but they couldn't get the rights from the Stoker estate, so they renamed all the characters and changed the ending. Um, that's that's how that movie ends. Uh, that's why we get the vampires can't do sunlight thing is because they had to change the ending from the original text. Yeah, it was, you know, and that that's just detrimental to the whole thing. I mean, that's what causes stuff like this, because mm-hmm. somebody goes that and looks, well, look at that adaptation. Like, that changed the entire lore that we stick to now, so it must and, work to change and here's stuff the thing. in an adaptation. Nosferatu is a brilliant movie. Don't get me wrong. I love the original 1920s Nosferatu. It's a great film. Sure. I honestly also love the 1979 Werner Herzog film great fucking movie completely different from the original but really fucking good i would like to see the vampire 
I would like to see the vampire. Um, yeah, and it's it's Klaus Kinski, like Herzog's like constant foil slash um, like muse. Um, and I've seen like three or four of their collaborations, and there are a couple of them that are just. I think the, the one I've not seen that I need to is Fitzcarraldo, but I've seen Aguirre, The Wrath of God. I've seen uh, Wojciech. I've seen Nosferatu, and I feel like there's one other one that I've seen also, but they're like. I don't know. Their collaborations are really fascinating. And Nosferatu might be the best one. Aguirre is also really good, though. Cool. I like him in Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, I mean, he would like to see the baby. Uh, I really like him in the episode of Parks and Rec that he's in. Have you have you seen the episode of Parks uh, and Rec that he's in? Yeah, no, I've only watched Parks and Rec three times all the way through. Of course, I've seen that episode that he's in. Yes. I love it. I would like to go to Orlando so that I may be closer to Disney World. Um, like just this, the shit that they make him say in that is so fucking funny. Like Werner Herzog, a fucking legend. Werner, come on the podcast. This thing, uh, I, I don't feel like they're making him say anything. From what I know of him, I man i feel like they could just let him ad lib and he'd say shit like this i i love him so much i just want to give him a big hug there is an episode uh there's a director's guild podcast and i forget what it's called but there is an episode of that where he is screening his new movie and he is being interviewed by kevin smith of all people like if you don't think Werner herzog has a fucking sense of humor he is interviewed by kevin smith in that episode and it is it's bananas and it's so good it's so good that podcast is incredible it's literally just directors interviewing directors after a screening of their movie and it's Werner herzog being interviewed by kevin smith what a what a masterpiece like seriously well, it's so I good look that up right now i need to yeah, listen to that immediately do. yeah you do uh we'll see if i can link to it in the show notes along with that patrick h willems video as well yeah but anyway adaptation um, right because the other thing about adaptation is it you have a built-in audience mm-hmm. um which we especially mentioned on artemis foul you have this built-in you know millions of readers that are ready right. to come see this visual adaptation of a story they love mm-hmm. and you're immediately alienating all of them right how short-sighted do you have to be now, to be fair, I don't know to what extent that character plays roles that were, you know, done by other characters or to what extent he messes with the narrative. I've never read these books. I have no familiarity with the source material. This is the first time I've ever watched this movie. Um, streaming on Hulu right now, by the way, in case you do want to catch it for yourselves. Well, look, but, I don't either, but all I got to know is that you have 31 books of content and you created a new character. That's all mm-hmm. I need to know to know that this probably isn't a good adaptation. Which, I mean, is fair. And and uh, here's one thing I think this movie does have going for it, Brett, is there's lore. There's there's lore. Now, how interesting you find that lore is is, again, your mileage may vary, but there is lore here. There is so much I didn't care about. And I'm I, the lore guy. You're the and lore meister. You're the lore meister meister lore. And there is so much I didn't care about. As as I told you before we recorded, I turned this movie off about five minutes before it ended. Out loud saying to myself in my empty apartment, oh my God, I don't care. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I was, I didn't, I didn't at all at any point care about anything that was happening. Whereas I had this movie on in the background while I was making dinner. 
Um, and then talking to my girlfriend, like that's, that's what I did. Um, so again, this was not like something I was in rapt attention by. Um, but, but again, the things that I enjoyed about this movie, the animation is really incredible. And the voice cast is kind of bringing it like it, the story is where I kind of just shrugged because it seemed like there was this, there were these lore dumps punctuated by these weird action scenes and then more lore, more weird action scenes. Um, so there are the kind of these weird action set pieces. And then in the middle of those is just lore dump, lore dump, lore dump, lore dump, because there's so much lore. And again, this is one of those movies that has a cast that's so huge and so full of, oh, I know that guy actors that you're like, okay, this had to have been set up for a franchise because how, why else do you cast like half of these actors in roles as small as they are? Well, here's the other thing. Notoriously, I feel like notoriously, historically, however you want to look at it, uh, animated movies mm. with very popular voice casts very rarely get that entire cast back for a sequel. Sure. Uh, so I don't know what they were doing. Uh, very, very high hopes. Unless they signed them for multi-picture deals, which is entirely possible. Which is entirely possible, sure. I also, I also want to circle back and, and apologize. Um, if you're still listening, I could I could definitely see a lot of people turning it off once Stephen revealed he barely watched it. Um, hey! Uh, look, I get that. Um, we're critiquing a movie that one of us barely watched. Uh, so I apologize on Stephen's behalf. Um, but uh, look, like... Lore will get me into a story. Mm -hmm. I could get into a story just for lore's sake if the lore is interesting enough. Okay. But like one thing I cannot abide, and this is part of Lord of the Rings problem. Mm. Don't throw a bunch of nonsense fantasy names at me and expect me to be interested just on that alone. Which is definitely a thing this movie. Look, I think if the, if, if this movie had been, gripping had been interesting if the story had been enough i would not have just this would not have been just kind of something i had on in the background i would have i would have engaged i would have sat down i would have been locked in it was hard for me to get locked into this movie because there wasn't anything for me to really care about um like the the main characters are owls and yes one of them is voiced by jim sturgis and do i like jim sturgis yes i do um but like and the other one is voiced by um, Dead Silence's own Ryan Quantin. Um, so there's there's that as well. Um, but like, I'm just not like the characters don't grip me. Like these are these are plots I've seen before. Brother versus brother. It's been done. Um, you know, mysterious band of mythical, you know, heroes that that are discovered to be real as as we go throughout the the story. It's been done. So these are a lot of basically we're, we're we're taking a lot of established fantasy tropes and we're applying them to owls, which for some reason makes me care less. Honestly, I was thinking the same thing while watching this, because uh, as previously stated, I another reason I didn't wasn't into it is just because it's such a watered down kid centric fantasy movie. Mm -hmm. It is fantasy trope number two, fantasy trope number seven fantasy trope number 13 and it's right. just tick the boxes 
mash yeah. them together, mm-hmm. uh, swap out humans for owls, and there we go. And movie. We, we somehow have a 31-book series. I don't know. Maybe the books are better. I uh, They have to be, right? They have to be. I would assume so. There's 31 of them. They make right. enough money to keep making them. So. Exactly. Kids Kids apparently love them. Um, and but if this movie is any indication, I don't see how. But again, this mo- we're talking about this movie, which means the movie wasn't good enough to warrant the sequel they were hoping for. Any of the and sequels al- they were hoping. And also, for. maybe at this point, we just need to admit that like this movie isn't for us. Um, yeah, we are we are nearly forty year old cishet white men. This movie mm. isn't for us. No, uh, the story isn't for us. Those books aren't for us. Exactly. And then, and so this is kind of one of those things that we, we don't have a context for. So we're probably going to be a little unduly harsh to it because we don't understand it. Because again, as you said, it's, it's not for us. This is not our thing. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I was suddenly reminded of the, the caveman lawyer sketch from SNL. Fuck. I love that sketch. I'm just, you know, I'm just a almost 40 year old cishet white man i don't understand child stories so you try to tell me i don't understand owls you get owls and you give them backstories and metal beaks and i'm just like why i don't understand (laughs) i see 31 book series and i just get tired and want to lay down on my couch maybe take a little nap yeah so look man we just don't get it okay and and And, look does that also you could also argue Maybe we shouldn't have even covered this movie for that reason. But look, the Guardian's idea is maybe a little look, not I'm, topical as we wanted it to be. Sure. It's still right there. And so. we were going to do this eventually anyway. Um, but the next two uh, the next two movies, one I'm actually insanely excited about. I've been excited to see this movie since I saw the trailer in the movie theater. Yes, the movie had a trailer. And the one after that is one I've seen before. And honestly, it's another animated film that had a really good voice cast. And it's our Christmas episode. And you gotta love our Christmas episode. Ho, ho, ho. Watch your mouth. Sorry. No shaming on this podcast. Gotta think of, think of the children. Yes, especially on our Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul episode. I've said yeah. fuck how many times in this episode? Who fucking knows? There's another one. Hey, here's a fun drinking game. Start this episode from the beginning and take a shot every time I say fuck and see how long it takes you to get alcohol poisoning. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> you don't don't put that evil on us. Um, no, it's I you know disclaimer. Um, no, please don't drink if you're under the age of 21, and if you are over the age of 21, please drink responsibly. Um, Good Lord, Brett. We are so off the fucking rails right now. You know we what haven't we haven't done the plot in 60. I was about to say, Brett, we've not even recounted the plot of this, this movie. Um, I do have the coin of justice here at the ready. For those of you listening in for our Guardians of Gohul episode for the first time, I am so sorry. Um, but if you've made it this far, then you probably need to know what the plot in 60 seconds is. This is the part of the show where we flip a coin. Uh, which we call the coin of justice. It is an actual physical coin. Maybe I should take a picture of it one of these days and put it up on Insta. Um, But it is an actual physical coin given to us by our friend Tucker. We flip it. Brett will call it in the air. And based on the determination of the coin of justice, one of us will recount the plot of this movie in 60 seconds or less. Brett, I have the coin of justice ready. I need you, sir, to call it in the air. Heads as usual. And it is heads holy crap ladies and gentlemen damn you
damn you. Um, all right. Well, let me uh, let me see if I can. Uh, let me see if, if this is even something I can do. Sure <sighs> you can. Come on. I, I mean, in theory, I can. In theory, communism works. Um, you fool. So you let me know when you've got 60 on the clock and I'll do my best. All right, man. Well, I'm good to go whenever you are. All right. Let's, I guess, let's do this. Give me the 30 and the 10 if you would. Sure, I'll do my best to remember. Yeah, please. Uh, please and thank you. Uh, all right. And your time starts right this second. I don't know. There's these two kid owls named Soren and, and Clud. And uh, they they grow up hearing stories about the guardians of Gahul and Soren thinks they're cool and Clud kind of doesn't. Um, they get abducted by these owls and taken to this group called the Pure Ones, uh, who are kind of like, I guess, owl Nazis, maybe. Um, Clud decides, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Soren's like, no, escape. And he escapes and comes across these other two owls that, who lead him to the guardians of Gahul. There's an echidna in there who's, I guess, like a... Uh, witch seconds. doctor or some shit i don't know anyway there's this uh the 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 proud ones are named or pure ones i guess proud ones because proud boys is owls i guess but they uh they end up fighting this uh guy named metal beak who's the the leader and um i don't know the guardians eventually win uh there's a big fight clud is kind of killed but not his body's not recovered so he's coming back for the sequel and the owls at the end end up like flying off into the sunset to fight another day i guess Question. and that's the time i don't know there's not really a lot to this movie it's just a bunch of owls talking and then occasionally fighting each other uh yeah pretty much i mean they fight sometimes um soren kills metal beak with like i guess a fiery branch to the chest or something uh yeah which they um in you know, glorious um pg form do not show anything of mm-hmm. there's the implication of chest stabbing right right and i mean they, they pretty much it. have to because of the implication right right but you know yeah it's i it, i don't know man this movie I don't know, man. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think we've kind of said most of what we wanted to say about this movie. Like, it's this is again one of those things that again we just don't have a context for. Like, this is not our childhood. If this is your childhood, hey, maybe you should come on and talk to us about why this movie's good. Let's let's do that podcast that we suggested behind the Patreon paywall where we have, you know, friends of ours who've been on this podcast before or not come and talk to us about why a, a movie or a franchise that we didn't like is good, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally open to that. I would love. I mean, to, we I would love we've got a few people on the hook if, in case we ever do decide to do that. My, you know, past and future guest Phil Smith to talk about Lord of the Rings. Uh, Tucker was going to talk about. I forget which movie Tucker was going to talk about, but he was going to. Oh, I think uh, we we're going to have Brian Kuyper on to talk about the Psycho sequels because I was mean to the Psycho sequels. Uh, there were there were a couple others. Anyway, look. Um, Sometimes we get it wrong and we're willing to be told why we're wrong. Yeah. We're, so. we're not, you know, we're not your typical internet trolls. No. We'll listen. We'll, we'll admit when we're wrong. And and look, I mean, not everything is for everybody. And I think that's kind of where we land on this movie. Like this is, this is not our thing. Um, but if it's yours, I kind of would like to hear why you like it. Honestly, hit us up. Disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Like kind of let us know. 
Um, just tell us how good the books are, and you can also shit on the movie. That's also a thing. That you know, if if you decide. And again, this this is kind of one of those things. Like, does this movie exist? And I don't know that it really does. Like, this is again, it's it's kind of the forgotten Snyder movie in a lot of ways. But again, like I I, I was telling you before we recorded, what I find interesting about it is that this is the movie that kind of seems to reject what many people seem to assume is his philosophy, which is that kind of Randian political philosophy. And the ones that are subscribing to that philosophy in this movie are the pure ones, um, are the villains of the movie. Um, whereas in Watchmen, you've got like the Rorschach character, which he puts a lot of stock into. Um, you've got um, kind of the Randian Superman in Man of Steel. Like there are these elements that Snyder seems really interested in. The fact that his passion project movie is Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead. Like on the surface, he seems like a guy who is very, very conservative in his politics. And certainly a lot of the Snyder bros seem to recognize that or, or seem to at least attach themselves to that. But by his own admission, Snyder himself is considers himself a liberal. Like he believes in a woman's right to choose. Um, he believes in like in, in the rights of the people. Um, he endorsed Biden in 2020. Like he seems at odds with the politics that often get attached to him. And honestly, if we're talking about directors who have Randy and politics baked into their conceits, Brad Bird does it a lot more consistently than Zack Snyder does, which I find really interesting. Um, and I think this is, this is one of the things that, that Patrick Willems addresses in his, his, his video essay on Snyder is the fact that this movie seems to be the one that contradicts a lot of that. And because of that leads us to believe that maybe this is not Snyder, what Snyder is actually about. And maybe it's just a thing that he finds interesting that he brings to the forefront in, in his movies because he thinks it's an interesting talking point, but not what he actually believes. That that was going to be my argument. I feel like that's the case, because it's not in all of his movies, right? Like, it's I don't think there's anything like that in Dawn of the Dead. Um, I I don't think there's anything like that in Three Hundred either. Well, Frank Frank Miller himself is kind of an arch conservative figure. So I, I you've also got the inherent racism of Three Hundred, which is really gross. Mm. Um, but, That's not really Snyder, but I, whatever. Um, I mean, he he plays into it. It it it's it's Miller's conceit, but he certainly plays it up because again, he's he's out for um uh, authenticity to the source material for for um, a, a strict kind of adherence to the source material. Um, so in order to do that, though, you kind of ha- can't ignore the racism. Um, you should. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's that's a really big, uh, that's a really big thing that mm-hmm. has been going on for a while now. Um, with uh, oh, what was it? Um, oh, the 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 Game of Thrones spinoff or the Lord of the Rings spinoff, where they're like, well, there weren't any. Uh, black elves in the original source material right so why are you putting them in here or you know there wouldn't be anybody of this race at this time so why are they there um like i I don't know man why does it matter like first of all a why does it matter b (laughs) right second of all um 
I don't know. Did you live during that time? All we have is like historical record. Like, I don't know. Like, if you didn't live at that time, how are we to really know? I'm no archaeologist. I'm no historian. I could be wrong. I could be completely off base here. And and, and here's 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 another thing. Um, it's also fiction. So also that. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, final nail in the coffin. There. It's Fic- fiction. Fiction can be whatever you want it to be. Um, to quote Ben Affleck and uh, James Hunt and Bob Strike Back, uh, fictional characters. Fictional, fictional characters. characters. Yeah, we're moving our hands around like Affleck did. Yeah. Um, but I, and that's 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 it, right? Like this is ultimately these are fictions, and it doesn't matter. You know, to me, it doesn't matter what if James Bond is black or white or Asian or Indian or or what have you. Um, like half the time James Bond hasn't even been British. Like Sean Connery was Scottish. Um, Timothy Dalton is Welsh. George Lazenby is Australian. How dare um, you say these things? Uh, Pierce Brosnan is Irish. Like these are these, these, these men are not, you know, British, uh, all of them. So if, if, if we can overlook that, why do we have such a hard time on overlooking skin color? Unless, dot 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 racism yeah what what if racism what if racism like what if racism existed i don't know and and what if owls were racist and that's kind of what we get in this movie like the villains of this are the pure one i called them the proud ones because honestly they kind of fucking remind me of the fucking proud boys like just these guys this kind of little militia that are obsessed with you know the purity of one specific type of owl and you know we're the royal ones we're the we're the right ones we're the pure ones um and and that again that that's kind of the the conceit behind them and it's um that's it's fucking gross but but I th- again i think that's the indication that because you know ayn rand's big thing is exceptionalism like randian exceptionalism like or objectivism is is another you know so there's those things tend to come to the forefront and that's that's not what the the guardians of gahul are about that's more what the pure ones are about so that kind of flies in the face of what we think we know about snyder and his politics and again based on based on his wikipedia page and the things that the man himself has said maybe that's maybe those aren't his politics but maybe those are ideas that he just espouses because he finds them interesting or maybe that's just the characters in the story he's trying to tell um, the fact that it happens often is odd, but again, maybe that's just a thing he finds interesting. It's just a fine line to walk, really. It is. Because uh, in, in this day and age, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about separating the art from the artist, but a lot of people don't do that anymore. Here's um, the thing. I want to separate the art from his fans. That's what I, the artist from his fans. That's what I want to do. And, and, and I mean, if there's a guy who knows how to kind of mobilize his fan base, it's Snyder. Like that is how the Snyder cut happened is because Snyder knows how to mobilize his fans. Um, And he did that to great effect in making the Snyder cut Um, by first of all, convincing them that it existed. It didn't. And then basically getting them to buy a bunch of Russian bots, um, which they did in order to try to pressure Warner brothers into making the movie, which happened. And then it came out, um, a lot of people saw it, said, yeah, that's better than the movie that was released, and then quickly forgot about it. And, of course, 
because no fan is ever content to have the thing that they've wanted, the hashtag uh, from went from restore the Snyder cut to restore the Snyder verse. It's not enough that we get the movie we wanted. We need to now have the entire franchise that we were promised that we didn't get. And of course, now that James Gunn is taken over again, it all comes back to James Gunn. Um, now that James Gunn has taken over DC studios, he's kind of the new head. He's the new Snyder as it were. Um, I think there's some different stuff coming down the pipeline. Like he just announced a blue beetle movie, which honestly good. I kind of want to see that. Um, yeah. I just like the DC movies giant wet fart to me. Uh, it's like, I don't much like this movie. Oh my God. I don't care. Uh, it's like none of them. I don't, the first Wonder Woman was okay, I guess. Um, Did you see the first Aquaman? No, because I don't care. Here's uh, the thing. That movie is bug nuts, bonkers, banana pants, and I'm fucking here for it. Brett, there is a scene where an octopus plays drums. Brett, Sure, I could also is, go watch The Little Mermaid. There is an entire army of crab people. Patrick Wilson plays an underwater megalomaniac. Like, it is fun. That movie is fun. I did not go into that movie thinking I was going to enjoy it. It is my favorite of the DCEU movies by a mile. It is so good. You know what other movie is really good? Shazam. Shazam is fun. Shazam is fun as hell. It is the kind of movie you didn't think DC was capable of because everything is too dour, serious, and oversaturated in the color department. Look, you know what else is fun, Steven? Every MCU film, uh, even the bad ones, are still fun. Uh, so I'm just going to go watch one of those. Uh, you can have your Aquamans and your Shazams. I'll, I'm I'll just saying, your... you, you know what else I really liked? Um, uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad was also really fucking fun. Sure. Because that man understands how to tell a story about a bunch of people who are expendable. Sure. And also give them, you know, emotional arcs and 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 through lines and and complete characterization. I mean, Something yeah. that was sorely missing from David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Sure. I mean, yeah. I also, a, another great thing about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. No, Jared Leto. Also true. You Wish I could say that about the rest of this month, but shrug. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Uh, you, know, you know what also doesn't have any jared leto every single mcu film uh, yeah this is true that's so, true you know i'm just saying because because you do its thing and let the dceu die or to start it over like james gunn maybe what i was hoping james gunn was going to do is come in and press the reset button on all of it but that's not what happens no and i don't think that's what he wants to do i think there's plenty of stuff in that sandbox that he wants to play with. Did you see the Peacemaker series? No, because I didn't care about that character and I didn't care to watch the series, regardless of how much everybody said it was good. It's better than care. any of the MCU series. It's literally better than any of them. It is my favorite superhero TV show ever. I'm going to put a gigantic heavy doubt on that, but I'm not going to go watch it because I don't care. But here's the thing. You can't really say that unless you're willing to check it out. Well. I guess, uh, but, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll take know, that L because again, it's your, <laughs> it's, it's your fucking loss, dude. That movie, that, that show fucking rules. It rips so hard. 
I would watch. I, I honestly, I kind of want to go watch it again right now. Um, it's so fun. Like, look, here's the thing about superhero stories nowadays. Like, I, because I mean, it's how comics have worked forever. You have one shots, and that's fine, but they're part of a bigger universe. And if that bigger universe isn't interesting, why should I care about that one shot? So, I'm not gonna go watch the Peacemaker series. I'm not gonna watch these one off movies. I like. I gave Suicide Squad a shot because I thought they were going to start going in a different direction. And Suicide Squad aren't. or The Suicide Squad? Whatever the second one was. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, that one. And they aren't going in a different direction. Black Adam just came out and it was an even bigger, wetter fart than everything that's been so far. Honestly, so, we probably could cover Black Adam. I don't, I don't know. If, I read online it's considered Warner Brothers' next big flop. Uh, so maybe we can cover that one at the end of the year. Yeah, because the rock has an ego the size of well a rock. So, <laughs> and and again, we've talked about the rock problem on this podcast before. See our episode on Rampage. Uh, will we get to Black Adam one day? Probably. I'm sure we will. Hell, we could talk about most of the MCU films, to be honest. DCEU. DCEU. Sorry. Most MCU a lot of them have better. gotten sequels. In the brain. Is DC DC not in my brain? MCU is. See, here's the problem. Wonder Woman sequel, Shazam sequel, um, Suicide Squad fucking sequel, um, sequels. The Suicide Squad is a sequel to Suicide Squad. I didn't think that was a sequel. I thought it, it was a reboot. No, because it's got Viola Davis's Amanda Waller. It's got um, Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang. It's got Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Like you carry characters over. It's got Joel Kinnaman as um, as uh, Rick Flag. Like you've got those characters carrying over um, from the first movie to the second. So it, it's not maybe a direct sequel in that it's not covering all those characters, but it is. It, it, it's a sequel in the same way that like Patriot Games is a sequel to Hunt for Red October, even though you completely recast the main character. Because you've still got um, James Earl Jones playing Admiral Greer. Which is tragically the reason why we will not cover Hunt for Red October on this podcast, even though that movie fucking slaps. I mean, like, there's a part of me that wants to argue this, but at the same time, it's a DC movie and I don't care that much. So, sure, sequel, whatever. I mean, do you really want to cover David Ayer's Suicide Squad? No. Neither do I. So let's, let's, just, let's just say it was a sequel. You got it. But Shazam getting a sequel. Like, I mean, these these movies are Aquaman getting a sequel. Like these movies are getting well, sequels. It's, the sequel's been shot. Jury's still out whether or not they're gonna release that one anymore. Oh, uh, I mean, there's yeah, the bat the Batgirl problem. And and I know a lot of fans are lobbying for James Gunn to actually just fucking release Batgirl so we can see the Brendan Fraser um Firefly, which again I wanna see. So do I, honestly. I, look. Every, everything I've just said aside, I want to see Brandon Fraser doing doing a thing. Yeah, he's oh, wow. good. Look, good. look, I've I've heard, I've legitimately heard good things about uh, what's the series he's in? Um, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Yes, Doom Patrol. Um, I'd be interested in watching that. It's on HBO Max. Um, just because I don't. I don't think it's connected to anything DC. 
Well, no, and again, DC is leaning has leaned into the multiverse in order to tell some of their stories, whereas Marvel is just now getting into the multiverse. And of course, we all know they invented the multiverse, um, even though DC has been doing multiverse shit since the 80s so or before, that, honestly, like, since the 60s. That's a pop culture argument that's been going since the end of time. Do you care about who did it first or do you care about who did it better? I mean, if we're going by the comics, it's still DC, but. Well, that, and that, that's why it's an ongoing argument since the beginning of time. Uh, or the end of opinion. time, whichever that, comes a, last or That's first. an opinion you see. And opinions <laughs> are like well, bubbles. You, you know what they say. Uh, I don't, actually. What do they say? It involves asses. Mmm, asses. And the holes therein. The holes of asses. And that everybody has one. Everybody has an asshole. And some people are ones. Oh, I do agree. Some people are assholes. Look, like what you like, guys. Just don't be a dick about it. Or don't be an asshole about it. Yeah, and look, I'll be honest. Sometimes I come off like I'm being a dick about it. Uh, but Sometimes you do, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, every now and again, so do I. I think that's just, I don't know. That's a nerd problem. It okay. is. It is. And it's one that we have to be intentional about sometimes, honestly. Because, yeah. I mean, look, when I get passionate about something and I start going off on a rant about it, I'm not thinking about my being an asshole right now. I'm just ranting about a thing. See our Ghostbusters episode. Yeah. Look, I was pretty metered on that one, okay? You you actually really were. I was I was very impressed at, at your restraint on that episode. Whatever episode we talked about Afterlife on, though, not as much. <laughs> No. We've talked about it on several episodes. It's fine. We don't need to revisit that. No, we don't. We really don't. Tucker Tucker will text us as he's editing this and going, guys, you've talked about it so many times. Just stop. Um, we love you, Tucker. Thank you so much for all you do. We do not thank Tucker enough on this podcast. We really don't. We don't, but stay tuned. Um, you know, maybe 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 Tucker, maybe there's maybe maybe there's more from Tucker that we could get. I don't know. I feel like there is. Uh, I don't know. What else do we have to say about this movie? Or I guess we really haven't said much about this movie at all. We've kind of been talking around this movie. We've talked Snyder. There's, we've talked DCEU. nothing to say about this movie. It's fucking boring. I'm like, sorry. And I'm coming off like a dick again. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to take it down a little bit. Take it pull, down a pull it times. back. Pull it back. I'm sorry. But look. This movie is not interesting. Like it's it's just generic fantasy story for kids, except with owls instead of humans, or elves or dwarves or whatever. Pick your pick your your fantasy race, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you can have a bird race. There's a bird race in D and D, and they're pretty cool. Um, they they can only speak in words they've heard, like a parrot or a crow. Do they have do they have hollow bones? They do. Fuck, that's cool. Yeah. Um and they can fly. They take no damage from they take no fall damage because they can nice. fly. Nice. I like um, that. They're they're pretty cool. Uh, very hard to role play because you can't just talk normally. Uh, oh, I I take that as a challenge. The one role play I ever played, Brett, I played a Star Wars RPG and I played a Gamorian who are incapable of speaking basic. Cool. Well, I look forward to our Patreon exclusive D&D &D podcast <laughs> where Steven will be playing an Aarakocra. 
Hey, um, I love to play a Lee Iacocca. What is that? I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. He drives, uh, he drives a Chrysler, right? Is that, sure. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Know. That's a thing. Uh, anyway, I'm an idiot. Like, there's just I'm not, sorry. <laughs> there's just not a whole lot to talk about. Like, cause it's, if you've seen any given fantasy story, you've seen this one. Like it's, you know, there's an evil race of people. Like, like you said it earlier, like we could rattle off all the tropes and they're all here. Check the box. And if you have an affinity for, for the source material, or if you grew up with this movie, you probably have more to say and you're probably screaming at your podcatcher right now because we're not saying enough. And to you, I'm sorry, we've done you a disservice. Um, but yeah, this is just, this movie's not for us. Again, I love the animation. There are set pieces here that are cool. I think this is a really good showcase. This is a good, animation I think is a good medium for Snyder. And I'm kind of bummed that he's not worked in this medium since because there is a way in which the cinematic stuff that he does works really well in this format and in this medium. Um, so I would like to see more animation from Snyder, please. I guess that's my big takeaway from this movie is I don't find the story particularly compelling, but I thought the animation was actually really good. And I thought the voice cast was stellar. Um, that's why this movie's not going to be as low as the as as the the episodes Brett mentioned at the beginning, the, which were all terrible movies. But um, this is this is good. I like uh, th- there's some good stuff in here. But again, the story kind of brings it down. The story is a millstone around the neck, and I have to imagine that this is far more compelling a read as a read than it is as a watch. It has to be, and knowing the audience, it's you know directed at it's probably an easy read too right Um, yeah i feel like i could probably knock out all 31 books in a couple days uh sounds like a challenge to me brett no i got way too much other shit to read maybe later touche touche um but yeah so uh legend of the guardian or legend of the guardians the owls of gahul opens hold on hold on steven brett would you believe sir i don't know if i would or not tell me well we got two things here we got two Uh things first of all the segment that we should have been doing from the beginning, but we're just now starting to do now. So shut up. We're doing it now. And that's better than anything at all. Does this movie? I love how the, I love how the title of this segment just gets longer every fucking week. Yeah. We'll figure that out. It's, it's longer, just about as long as the title of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does it deserve a sequel? No, absolutely not. No, I don't think so either. Cause you're not going to get all the, the good voice cast back. Um, there's a possibility the animation might not be as good because the budget will be lower for a sequel. Right. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know where the story goes in the books, so I don't really know how much more interesting you could make this. Yeah, and I just assume that the you know the guardians go on different adventures. Soren probably you know joins up and becomes an official guardian. You know, like there are things that we can assume based on context and and whatnot, but you know. Yeah, and the ladybird, I don't remember her name, the villainess at the end who gets away. Helen Mirren. Yeah, I'm sure she has machinations that she wants to get up to afterwards to avenge mm-hmm. the death of her uh, beloved who got stabbed by the fiery, fiery fire branch. Fire, fire branch, yeah. Fire branch. Don't know why it had to be a fire branch. I don't know if I missed that part. 
Um, I probably did. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Maybe, again, you're probably screaming. They told you. They told you why why it had to be on fire, and why that was such a big deal. I didn't. I missed it. Sorry. Um, but speaking of other stories, welcome to Brett's video game corner, where there was what a video game for this film. I guess that's not terribly surprising. No, it isn't at all. Um, produced, published by Wonder Brothers Interactive Entertainment, developed by Chrome Studios and Tantalus Media. The Tantalus did the Nintendo DS version. Because, um, yes, this was released on multiple platforms the PlayStation 3, the Wii, the Xbox 360, and the Nintendo, 3, or the Nintendo DS, not the 3DS. Um, Based on the film, but sprinkles in some elements from the books. Mm. And um, I have to imagine the lore is also a lot more interesting in the books as well, because that's lore is e- more easily developed in books, I think, by and large. Uh, yeah. Um, so this follows this, the story uh, of the tale of Shard and his friends. Um, takes place like parallel to the movie. Um, and sort of maybe gives a little fleshes out the movie a little bit is what it sounds like. Okay. Um, we get some, we get some more creatures that are like vultures. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you know, we got the bats in this in the movie. Um, and that's I mean that's pretty much it. Uh, the I mean the gameplay was mostly airborne combat as you would expect. Right. Um. So it's really it was from what I'm reading it was kind of like a flight simulator. Like a fantasy flight simulator with owls. Oh, wild! Uh, like a combat flight simulator with owls uh, is, is what I'm getting here. Okay. Um. So, but yeah. So that it had a video game. So maybe they burned all their budget on the movie and the video game and just didn't have enough money for marketing. Could be. Could Cause, be. Because uh, it didn't do well at the box office, as you were about to tell us about. Yeah, so this movie drops in theaters on September 24th, 2010. It opens at number two that weekend uh, behind another movie that is opening that weekend, a sequel, Brett, to a movie that came out in the 1980s. Uh, This one starred Shia LaBeouf because that was kind of the thing we were doing in the 2010s is casting Shia LaBeouf in you know, long delayed sequels to things. Uh, it's Wall Street 2 colon money it never sleeps. Um, I was I was about to say Indiana Jones. Wow. Shia LaBeouf in another legacy sequel to something. Again, that's what I'm saying. This is a thing that we were doing at this time. Um, in second place, obviously, Legend of the Guardians. Third place, The Town, um, which is in its second week, the Ben Affleck film, one of the final films of the great Pete Postlethwaite, who we talked about in the Solomon Kane episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, in fourth place, uh, a little movie called Easy A, also in its second weekend. It's earned about $32.7 million. And uh, in fifth place, another new movie, You Again, uh, which um, does not do a great showing in its first weekend. Uh, rounding out the top 10, you've got Devil, that M. Night Shyamalan, what if the devil was in an elevator movie? Uh, he wrote it, did not direct it. Which isn't bad. Be Is it not? I've never seen it's it. It's not I, bad. It's not I just, great. I just know but... who the devil character is. Oh, well, that ruins it. I mean, yeah. 
Uh, in seventh place, one of your all-time favorite film franchises, Brett, Resident Evil colon Afterlife. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, in eighth place, Alpha and Omega 3D. Um, I, uh, that, that is one of those franchises that I'm surprised exists. Uh, ninth place, Takers. And in 10th place, in its 11th weekend, having earned $287 million at the box office so far, a little movie called Inception. What if there was an Inception? What if there was an Inception? What if we could actually do an Inception? Um, the production budget on this movie was about $100 million, At least that is the reported box office. Um, the opening weekend gross was 16 million and the ultimate domestic box office 55.7 million with an international box office totaling 84 million for a combined worldwide gross of 139.7 million, barely cracking its reported box office, not really even garnering enough worldwide to probably cover the production costs and the marketing, not Brett a success at the box office no you factor in how much it probably cost to make a video game mm-hmm. that didn't make his money back at all no i never burn anything i said they'll never make the money back on this one um the tomatometer score is a 52 percent the critics consensus legend of the guardians dark tone and dazzling visuals are to be admired even if they're ultimately let down by a story that never lives up to its full potential uh, the meta score on this is 53 based on mixture average reviews from 21 critics. And the letterbox score is a 3.0 Brett out of five stars. How do you rate the Zack Snyder Owl movie? That rating is too damn high. I'm going to give it a two. I went with a two and a half. Um, because again, as you said, it, it mediocrity at its finest, man. There's some good stuff in this movie the story just sucks ass. So like if I, if I'm measuring those out, I'm putting it right in the middle. Like this movie, it, I love the cast. I love the animation. Like the visuals are really solid here. I think this is maybe one of the better uses of Snyder's filmmaking techniques and style. Um, but ultimately the story just lets it down. And if, if the story's not good, then what the fuck are we doing here? I guess is kind of yeah. where I, where I end up falling. Or as the United good conscience cannot say that this movie is middle of the road. It is not. So, I mean, you did turn it off um, early with the with that resounding "Who the fuck cares?" So yeah, and I like to quote "Always Sunny" when I say that. Sure. Oh my God, no one cares. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, great show. Um, I actually just watched an "It's Always Sunny" clip before I before I hopped into this uh, this chat tonight. Yeah, on the whole, not a huge fan of that show, but it does have some good moments. It's it's funny. There's some funny stuff in there. Um, the girlfriend's a big fan, so one of these days I know I'm going to watch every episode. So that's that's just something I have to look forward to. Fair enough. Well, Brett, I think that's our episode on night or nineteen 2010's Legend of the Guardians: The Owls of Gahul. What a title on that one. Um, Look, we're the Disenfranchised Podcast, and however you feel about this episode, we hope that you will uh, check us out across all the various social media platforms that we're on, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Facebook at Pod. Shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Let us know how disappointed you are in our coverage of the Legend of the Guardians, colon, the, ra- the Owls of Gahul. Um, 
you can also uh, swing by our Patreon if you want to support us. If you actually like agree with us and are like that movie, not good. Um, swing by our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. Um, and you can join at the one, three or five dollar level and whatever level you join at, there's going to be good stuff. Uh, yesterday, as of this episode dropping, you can actually find our uh, dogma episode. We did an episode on uh, what we call Oops All Christianity Corner where with our friend Tucker. Tucker joined us there. And um, the two of them asked me theological questions uh, about Kevin Smith's 1999 film Dogma. Honestly, a really fucking fun episode. I had so much fun that I kind of want to do that some more. Um, so check it out. Um, that's available at the $3 level at patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. If you don't want to pay us money, look, we get it. Times are hard. We understand. If you want to help us out anyway, though, please swing by Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you use, but preferably that one. Leave us a nice, juicy five-star rating and review so we can find other listeners just like yourselves. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Hive, and Mastodon, I think. I don't know that I'm using most of those, but, you know, you can find me there. Uh, at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you these days? I hate most social media, so I'm just on Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. Fair enough. Look, man, social media is a cesspool. Yeah, um, maybe don't just let it go. Don't don't put your entire life into social media. Don't let it rule your life. Don't use that for validation. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Maybe, That's all I'm saying. Maybe look inside yourself and think that maybe you've got a problem. I don't know. I think most people, when they look inside themselves, maybe they maybe they don't see anything there. Maybe that's the problem. Oh, that's just that's just really dark and depressing, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, this has been our episode on Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. Uh, again, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, for my co-host, Brett Wright, and myself. Um, until next time, where we talk about another movie with Guardians in the title, always remember, when your wings are weak, your spirit's done, and you've flown as far as you can, you're only halfway there. <laughs>